0: The driver has probably been driving that bus for like 30 years. I was, It was shocking. I was like, how
1: do you train for this without dying? Like, I don't understand. Well, I think, I think times- you don't. I just think he's the one that survived. <laughs> hey,
0: everybody. Welcome to episode 158 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam. I'm looking across a beautiful new podcast room. I'm Sam, and I am shocked. By the progress that's been made. And and this is a show where we talk about life business and working in the games industry. Uh today is Julie twenty eighteen. Before we start, we have a warning. Anything can happen in this show, there's gonna be profanity and lewdness. So if you're a child and you can get your get your face away from the radio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We are on the radio now. Radios can also electrocute you, which is
1: another good reason to get your face away from them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh they're like outlets. You gotta yep. you gotta make sure you child proof your radio. Don't you gotta you gotta cover, cover all the holes. Cover the let, holes. Don't let the, forks get poked in there. Those little you know. plastic things. Yeah. And don't go bring it in, into the bath. You no, know? Just didn't even That's right.
2: Run, not even once.
0: That's right. These are just just some of the safety safety tips you're gonna pick up from listening
1: to mm-hmm. our our show. Yeah, these aren't even the best ones. No, We're, that's, <laughs> that's <laughs> just a little safety
0: appetizer for you. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's get on to the news for this week. Uh, First thing, we want to thank everybody who has been donating to our Ko-Fi page, uh, which is over at tips.bscotch.net. So we need to shout out for uh, Horace, Andrew Heather, Andreas Zach, Mike G, somebody whose name is just A, just the letter A, which is really badass. Uh, Hot Claw, also good. Mm -hmm. Uh, Scale Plexus, Jeff Huber, Matrone, and Giant Muskrat. Um, all who gave us uh, gave us some cash to help support the podcast,
2: which we appreciate tremendously. Especially now that we got this new fancy room because it, it did cost money to put these sound dampeners onto all these walls. Yeah, this and room is them and this room
0: was not meant for what we're using it for. So yeah, it, so
2: if the audio sounds a little bit different, like uh,
1: you know, Patrick from Fat Bar did the best he could.
2: Mm-hmm. Which, I think he did what he pretty giving, good, and he did a good job. You can feel it. You open the door and you walk yeah. in here, and it's like. V- but yeah, but it
1: still of, feels I still feel there's a little bit of of, you know, mm-hmm. reverb just like this
0: Don't worry, there. he'll he'll handle that in post. That's no problem. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um so otherwise we are we are back in business in the sense that Sam is back in business mm-hmm. from uh, from China. So we have a huge review day today where we're gonna go over all the things that have happened in the past couple. Sometimes it's hard to
2: it's hard to realize just how many things we're doing generally. Well, this is something that Adam and I always go back and forth on because uh, I'm generally stressed out that not enough is happening. I and mean, Adam's generally very amused at how much is happening. And so yep. we, we tend to have this conversation, usually like once a month, where I'm like, I just, ah, we we're just, just, not, just, making, just going we're not making any progress. <laughs> and Adam's like, you just- back up? <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. So Sam stepped away for two weeks. Yeah. So it was funny because I, and I also just didn't really have much internet because uh, to get into the studio feed, which is where everyone puts their notes about what they're doing, you have to authenticate through Google. And you can't access Google mm-hmm, in deal. China. Okay. So, actually, I couldn't actually keep up on news. I just saw occasional tidbits uh, popping into the Discord whenever I had sort of random Wi Fi access. And so, yeah, yesterday we landed into Chicago and had about a four hour layover. And so I spent, I think it took like an hour and a half to, I read through all my emails that I'd had and then um, went into the feed and just read through everything. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> What is that? But the Kofi thing didn't exist when I left, and now you guys are like, "Oh yeah, we actually made money from the podcast while you were gone." Yeah, yeah. and I was like, "What again?" <laughs> huge thanks to everybody who
1: who threw. Money yeah, it's incredible. We, I did, like, we I honestly, I was like, we just set it up, and we're like, ex- "Oh, maybe I we'll expected get a dollar." We get a uh, like like maybe three or four people who would maybe do like a recurring monthly like four mm-hmm. bucks and be like, "Oh yeah, I'll give like a dollar a episode or something like that." Because I could I could see that mental calculus happening in like a tiny fraction of people, you know. I don't know. People were. Well, see, so, yeah, the way we have it really set up in. is,
0: you know, we framed it as like, you know, if you want to buy us a cup of coffee as as like a to support the podcast and as a thanks or whatever, Um, it's like a cup of coffee is four bucks, you mm-hmm. know, and all these people have come together and collectively bought us hundreds of cups of coffee. Yeah.
2: Of yeah. It is great because like uh, one of the big, we got big some real stuff. heavy hitters in there. too. Yeah. One of the big dreams of the podcast was just to not ever have to put ads in it. And yeah, And it's like, oh, here. Here's some, here's a some, way. Some so yeah. so that happened, and then all this other there's all cool stuff with level heads. We'll talk about a little bit later. Um, yeah, I was genuinely shocked. And I remember when I, when I left, Seth was like, "My goal is to frighten you upon return. You <laughs> like, it should be. You come back. You're like, what? What is up? What is down? What is happening? So it worked. Uh, everyone kicked a bunch of ass. It's just, it's just it is really nice to to have that level of disconnect and then come back in. And like you said, actually get sort of an accurate picture of what the hell happens over here. And it also pointed out to me, I mean, we, we try to do a lot of early marketing efforts and stuff with our games. And, and we've always talked about how it's just hard because of how fast the dev goes on these things where even the alpha trailer that we made, the teaser trailer for Levelhead, one week after it was done, we had added and changed a bunch of things that would have made it of course way better. Yeah. Um, And that's just sort of how it always is unfortunately I yep. was like there's no there's no period of time where things are just kind of like ready to chilling. market yeah yeah and so you kind of just have to pick like okay well it's it's good enough you know now to show some cool features of but knowing that in a week or two it will be just way better and it'll just always be way better and so yeah and, there, and there's that you know first
0: impressions matter a great deal and mm-hmm. and so there's also that kind of push pull where like you don't want to show it in a bad state but you also want to show it early so you can build hype yep and so you got to try to find like where's the line, where's which is goodness. why also what's why with Scuttlebutt Buddies, we we haven't shown any mm-hmm. actual video of it because we don't know whether or not what's there is is right. Like yeah, we don't know whether that's going to even early. yeah. So it's hard. Things change fast. Yeah. So all right. So before we, before we go into talking about level head and some other stuff, let's talk about China because mm-hmm. that's where Sam was. Yeah.
2: So I had a really interesting visit. We we went to specifically go visit. Uh, my wife's family who lives over there. So this is her family who's in the States is actually just her core nuclear family. It's just her mom, her dad and her brother. And they actually don't have any relatives here. So all those relatives still live over in China. They're the only ones who came over. And, and this was also, I think this is their second time being back. The first time back was uh, at least for her mom was two years ago after like 30 years of not going. So it's funny because they their frame of reference. Like they still call everything a village. Yeah. And and so I was like, I've been to villages before. So, you know, I, I've traveled to uh, Eastern Europe a little bit and and also uh, some other places where you have actual villages that are small. There's like 100, point, 100 people. Hundred
1: people. Well, we're also from the Midwest. From the Midwest. We call them towns, but come they're on. Basically they're basically villages.
2: villages. I mean, Grinnell is basically a. High level village at this point,
1: yeah. Well, um, the town our grandparents are from, which has three hundred people in it, a true which village. I think is a village. Right. And, and the, it, rec- a it recently
2: a lost
0: its post office because there weren't enough people to justify having a post <laughs> yeah, office. Right? That's a so, legit ass village
2: yeah. right there. So this is where I was sort of mentally framing all this stuff, and and then we go, and it I couldn't get over the scale of everything. Yeah, so so we start in Songhai and uh, and it just it's sort of like the. People call it like the New York of, of China, right? So tons and tons of these skyscraper buildings, tons and tons of business. But the one thing that was weird is that, and I didn't re- I didn't realize the extent to this, like whenever you travel, you tend to actually learn way more about your home country than you do about the other country, right? By Just by the contrast. And the extent to which diversity is a thing in the States, I just, like I've always understood because of course I've traveled a little bit, but and people call it, you know, the melting pot of culture yeah. in the US so and stuff. When we were in, in Shanghai, I saw like maybe eight other white people out of, we were there for four out of days, millions and millions of on people. the subway, <laughs> run around, um, and and it was just weird. Like I, and I had people coming up to ask for selfies with me yeah. because I'm a white person. <laughs> and it was because like, you're clearly from somewhere else. Yeah, and they would yeah. like they would call you foreigner or like they would ask you, you know where you, they didn't know where I was from, but they you know, obviously wasn't from there. Um, and it was just they very didn't care. Strange. They just wanted the selfie. Yeah, yeah. the selfie. <laughs> very strange, and and also just like the, the 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 sameness generally of the population was so interesting to sort of behold. Where there there wasn't much in in ways of diversity and stuff like that, and so I know like we've had some conversations here about you know how do you handle inclusion, how do you handle just tons of this stuff related to the fact that uh, in the states in particular we have this really messy job of having to like we got lots of people we've from got, lots of places, yeah, you got to figure out yeah. how to talk about it, and then and then you know going over there and seeing this this almost like this very homogeneous sort of population, at least in some of these city centers, um, and realizing that there's just like we're we're operating in a completely different context. So you know there was this prom dress thing with the the white girl in the U.S. who wore like a Chinese prom a Chinese uh, dressed prom and it was like sort of blew up on Twitter a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I remember at some point they had asked people in China like, "What do you think about this?" And they're like, well, "I don't care." It's like, well, of course <laughs> you don't care. You don't have the you're not in the same context as what we are. Like you're not dealing with these same for right. sort of problems. Yeah,
0: right? and the in the U.S. people are talking about this stuff a lot, especially yeah. especially nowadays. So it's just very much on people's mind. Of how to navigate these questions.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So it was was super interesting to see all that. And Diane and I had some really interesting conversations about that. My wife, uh, while we were there. So that was a a really interesting takeaway. The other one is that driving people in the U S drive as if their, their car is like this heavy shell that they're sort of like, just kind of slinging around. And I think it's why it feels generally unsafe. Right. Mm -hmm. And there people are just, it's like, it's like fucking Mario Kart, like all the time. I mean, everyone's just (laughs) going every single direction. Just whenever they want, we would just drive out in the street and then just pull a U turn, just like just in the just middle, right of like there, four lane highway. It's everybody else's problem now. No, it actually is. And the thing yeah. is, like, <laughs> everyone is so aware and attentive and willing to move their car around. So in the U.S., if you did that, people would just keep on barreling at you. Right? Yeah, we're basically just we're actually driving small trains,
1: basically, because you, know? yes, Cause you get on the track, track and then if. If anything happens, well now you're in an accident.
2: Yeah. And, and actually I only saw one accident. And it was like a tiny little bumper thing between a, an SUV that was just pulling a U-turn and a bus that stopped because of Yeah, th-
0: this was my this is my experience in India as well, was just realizing that actually driving in, in that context, it's just a whole different it's a, different it's a whole skill. different skill. And and I think actually in the US we have this this thing where like we've got quite a few people. We also have a lot of space. Mm-hmm. So we spread everybody out and everybody's got a car just about. Yeah. Um and so everybody's driving but but the traffic isn't quite chaotic enough that you need to pay attention all the time. Yes. And so that's when you have like people texting and driving. Like you could lit- you could not do that no, in can't. India or China. Like, honestly, like as soon as you look away
2: from the road you're you're dead, you're dead now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well the crazy thing so we go we go to and I drew, you mentioned this on the podcast last week but we went to Zhaojie which is the The national park where Avatar was inspired from, and so that's the one that you've probably seen a bunch of pictures of it online, where they have these huge vertical cliffs, just like sort of erupting out of the ground. It's like a pillar. They get bigger as they go up. Yeah, and they're just like they're just fat all the way up and huge, and they're covered in trees, and then there's like clouds and mist, just in just this wonderful sort of concept artist scene. And we go there, and to get up one of these mountains, um, you can either take a cable car, which just sort of skirts you up there in like five minutes. Or you can take a bus, and you actually pay, like, extra money to take one of these buses. And there's 99 switchbacks to get up this mountain. It takes 20 minutes, and the driver just goes, like, 30 miles an hour yeah. the whole fucking time. Yeah. And there's other buses coming down, okay? There's, yeah. like, a narrow-ass road. <laughs> and so, literally, everyone's just almost screaming... The entire time, yeah. like but the, the driver has probably been driving that bus for like thirty years. I was, it was shock. I was like, "How do you train for this without dying?" Like, I don't understand. Well, I think, I times- think you don't. I just think he's the one that survived. <laughs> <laughs> they, they hire golly. a lot of bus drivers.
1: Yeah. Whoever and they survives just, they that's they're really just, good. You just let nature take its yeah. course. Yeah. You know? that, that was one of my
2: favorite one of my favorite things is actually going up that uh, doing that switchback pass all the way up. Yeah, I've seen
1: some mountain. of those some of those videos of that same kind of a moment in a whole bunch of different uh-huh. uh, you know, countries and contexts. And every time I'm watching those things and like and I could tell like the person who's driving, like it has to be just fucking stellar, yeah. but still. I would never do it. <laughs> yeah. Not a chance. In hell. I, I will so say, excited. though,
0: I mean, my my perspective on driving has shifted a lot ever since we changed the office space because mm. I, you know, I, I I drove maybe three minutes a day at most. <laughs> uh, and it was always on, you know, smaller roads with lower speed right. limits and stuff. And because I just never drove longer distances or on the interstate or whatever, then when it came time to do road trips or make a trip downtown or something, it was just this incredibly nerve-wracking experience where like I don't have the uh, the intuition uh, of like when I'm driving you know to like squeeze into to areas where you know there's a gap on the interstate and I can squeeze in between cars or whatever. I just didn't have that you know uh, you have the Experience, yeah, yeah. At that point, yeah. And so it's kind of like when you first start driving and how you're like always right. checking your mirrors and you're nervous about everything. You know, that's just generally been my experience with mm-hmm. driving longer distances through cities and stuff. Um, but now that I've been, you know, commuting to the office for a few weeks now, I can already tell that I'm
1: just like. Starting to feel the nonchalant. Yeah, I'm just creeping. like, I'm just way more
0: in tune with yeah. everything. And I, I'm just not worried about stuff anymore. And well,
2: it was actually it's one of the things. nice. Because I would sit in, I always liked sitting in the front, especially of the buses. Because also, like, when we happened to be at that park, it basically, there was just clouds that day. And what that meant in the park in particular is that we were literally just in a cloud because it's up in the sky. And so I think it was after like the 50th switchback, visibility dropped to like 30 fucking feet. Okay. So, and this bus is just going. It's just the still going. Just like, whatever. <laughs> and so we're just like slinging our way up this mountain. And then the they, they have these U-turns because you have to do a switchback, which is like a full rotation in the other direction. And it's, it's a bus. Like there's 40 people in it and it has a big wide arc. And then it's just a cliff. Right. And you could just, you look out there and all you see is white because there's sun shining, but there's this huge cloud that you're in. And it's like you're in a studio lighting setting, right? It's just this diffuse white light. And I'm like, (laughs) we're just going to go flying off this damn thing. But my favorite part about it was that the drivers were so good, like just so aware of where their vehicle was. That there are a few times where they were going, and neither bus slowed down at all. But, like, we're whipping, we're turning around, like, doing a 100% U-turn on one of these cliff edges, where if we get hit by this incoming bus, we're all dead. And the other bus also doesn't slow down at all, because he knows. He knows where he's going. (laughs) And they just pass each other, and the rearview mirror is just, like, within, like, two inches. They just Just sort of, they gently (laughs) high-five rearview mirrors (laughs) And I'm like, how the fuck do you guys know how close this is it? And then we were driving in one of, uh, yeah, in I've one been of driving the. I haven't driven my car for ten years, and I'm still
1: always unsure when I'm like, when I'm parking, pulling into a parking yep. spot. You know, I'm still I'm unsure where's, am the, I back? Too close? I, I where's
0: the back. I especially can't yeah. tell
2: where the fuck the back of my car is. Yep. Ever. Yeah. Well, so the best one too is that we were <laughs> at one point we were in one of the cities we're driving, and everyone's got uh, there's tons and tons of of scooters there, and usually it's like three people on a scooter. Okay, so this would be like a high level fatality in case one of these scooters crashes because it's just jam-packed with people. No one's got helmets on. They're just kind of hanging on. And we were in this, this cab, and this bus sort of just swings in alongside of us all of a sudden. And the cab is just just driving. And then the scooter sort of like dives in between us and a parked car. And so the cab has to slow down a little bit, but he doesn't stop, right? He just like slows down a little bit. And then he's just going. And I couldn't tell. We were so close to that scooter that I couldn't figure out how we were not hitting it. Like I was like... <laughs> My understanding of the front of this vehicle is that we are now inside that screen. Like, there's <laughs> some kind it. of clipping and happening. We were, just, and we were still just moving. Like he didn't, nobody was stopping. And it was like, I just loved the whole thing. It was yeah. like beautiful to see.
0: But um, again, I mean, it, it's just that, you know, the more you're exposed to that, because, you know, the the idea that you would not know where the front of your car is would be crazy to somebody yes. who's used to driving in that city. Yeah, yeah, like, how could you it, be
1: so bad at driving? Yeah, how could you be, how could people let know you in? exactly where it is.
0: Yeah, right? no, like down to the millimeter, yeah. you know. Not just vaguely where. Is.
2: Yeah, so that one was, was really incredible. And then uh, one of the other interesting sort of cultural insights was was the treatment of the national parks themselves. So we went to uh, Zao which is, again, like the Avatar Forest sort of thing. And, and that was the major one we spent time at. But it was really interesting because they have so many people that visit these sites that it's not like in the U.S. where you just sort of like walk onto a vague path. And then there's a bunch of vague paths hiking into the woods, right? And maybe every 10 minutes you'll see somebody walk past. Right. Yeah. Uh, And and also you're hiking in the U S like I was prepared to hike, right? Yeah. Like on rough terrain, terrain, like climbing stuff. It's like an amusement park, honestly, Mm -hmm. like everything is paved everywhere and you're just on walkways the whole time. Uh, Anytime there's a big attraction, there's literally a queue. So there's like a, like a four row deep queue to get onto whatever the thing is. So at one point, uh, and we happen to be going like during one of the hottest seasons and school's not out yet, which apparently is like the best time to go. To it's like going to Disneyland on an off season, right? So still a little bit of lines, but not really much compared to normal. And we waited for a cable car at one point to go down uh, this this big mountain. And this is again a cloudy day. So we can't actually see anything for the first 10 minutes of this cable car, which is one of my funniest pieces, of the whole thing. But the queue line for it was like six rows deep. And I just, I'm looking at this and we're only, there's only like 10 people in line with us, but I'm just looking at the rest of this line that could exist. And I'm like, is that is it real? Like, does that fill up all the way? Mm-hmm. And, uh, one of Diana's aunts was like, Oh yeah, I was here, uh, last year to check it out. And we waited, uh, like four hours to get on this cable car. <laughs> <To> <laughs> that. And I was like, Oh, I like could just, he just stabs it. Him, hurts you know? your Midwestern soul. Know, the idea I'm of waiting in a long. line for four hours
0: for just any, to see the, outside. for anything to at all. The
2: outside. Yeah. That was it.
0: Honestly, like being from the Midwest, if somebody was like, "Listen, you have to wait four hours to get into heaven," I'd be like, "I'm not." not <laughs> I'm Sorry, I'm gonna just skip
2: I, that. I got yeah. better
0: things to do. But
2: <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was. I think that was kind of the, the other piece of it. But yeah, it was. A, it was a really good trip, and um, we walked. I want you guys. I heard you guys cracking jokes, but how many? How many miles we walked? Uh, how many? Last podcast. Well, I guess. What do you want to guess? So keep in mind, it was a I think 16 day trip total, but two of those days were travel on either end. And then we traveled also for four days in there. So it's actually like 10 days. of.
0: Well, let's see. Activity. So you're, I mean, you're, you're with a family. Mm-hmm. So your walking pace is not going to be super brisk. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say maybe two miles an hour mm-hmm. versus maybe three, which is like a pretty good, like it's a good sure power walking pace. Mm-hmm. And you walked for probably like 50 hours. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you probably, you probably walked a hundred miles. Walked a hundred miles. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you nailed it. Yeah, at the end of the trip. Math. My wife had her uh, like pedometer thing on her phone, and so at the end of every day, we'd be like, "How far would we go? How many steps would we climb?" Um, and yeah, we were like 100, 101.2 miles or something like that over the whole Pretty trip. Pretty good. I and comically, the shit out of that. I did definitely gain weight, so walking didn't do shit for me in terms of like staying <laughs> I walked 100 extra miles compared to usually I walk like two miles a day, right? I walked an extra like 85 miles over the last two weeks, and also apparently eight. Probably just weighs too many calories. Yeah, but as we there, as we discussed it? It in last good. week's
0: episode, you know, exercise literally just doesn't burn
1: calories. <laughs> it, doesn't do it, just, it just keeps your heart alive.
2: It's man. hilarious
0: that your baseline, your body, just to, like, do its normal stuff is burning, you know, like a good 2,000 calories a day. Uh, yeah, and then when you do stuff that's hard. And you do stuff that's real fucking hard. You're like, I'm going to go swim or whatever, and, and it's like, you know, an 8% increase
1: right. over baseline. Yeah, does that like, mean that, we're, that? that our bodies are hugely inefficient just at baseline and that our exercise is something that we're really good at. Could be. Is that what that means? We're just like real yeah. bad at just being alive. So it's very costly. we well, 24
2: hours in a day and you burn about 2000 calories. I guess, yeah,
0: if you go exercise for like 20 minutes really hard, it's still very, very small proportion of your day.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah,
0: I guess maybe the math works out, it but might, it's still stupid.
2: And yeah, I I'm it. definitely gonna need to be hitting the gym now that I'm back. Get my uh, fat tire removed from yep. my midsection. Yeah. Yep.
1: Just like, if you just puncture it, you, you just know, gotta like, go down the, to go out. down to
2: Dobbs. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> be like, hey, I uh, I got this tire. I need Get to remove it. it. Yeah. It's mainly dumplings and noodles, from what I understand. It's a dumple tire. It's a
2: dumpling tire.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's the worst. Uh, all right, so. Uh, Otherwise in the studio we got a bunch of cool stuff that happened for starters uh, last week uh, Adam and I were having a conversation about Level Head and Adam just goes you it would be really cool if there was like an auto run mode mm-hmm. you know where the character just runs by itself because uh, we were talking about accessibility you know and the problem that and it's something that we're concerned about is you know we you know Crashlands is a one touch game and we got a lot of comments from people saying this is great because I have, you know, a disabled like left arm or something like that and but I can I can play still with with a finger and so I'm able to play Crashlands on, you know, exploration mode and it's awesome. And we've been kind of uh stressing about the fact that you know Level Head is a more skilled based game and, it, and it's very
1: fast paced. fast paced it's, <laughs> it's well, got two, that, most, two
2: hands. Most people will make very hard things. Yeah. Cause that's how it's, it's much easier to make a very hard thing than it is to make a well balanced thing. Yeah. So, yeah. And <laughs> so,
0: so we got the hard things I think sort of solved in the sense that we're adding a bunch of uh, filtering options to the search function. So you can filter levels by difficulty. Um, mm-hmm. So if you just don't want to play the mega uber hard levels, then it's fine. You don't mm-hmm. have to. Um, and you just remove them from your search results. Uh, but it's still the problem of, well, you still got to control left, right, you know, left, right, down, and then jump button mm-hmm. with two different hands. And so uh, having an auto run mode where instead you just – the character runs on its own and you just jump by tapping the screen. Then all of a sudden that opens up an entire new – A, an entire new mode of gameplay. But um, then B, it opens up an entire new audience of people who otherwise wouldn't have been able to play the game. And so – I was like, I could probably swing that. And then it took about 40 minutes. That's how it
1: always works. <laughs> and
0: it was in there. Um, Cause it turns out you just need to make the character run to the right and otherwise leave everything the same. Mm-hmm. Yep. So just stop taking inputs on the character. And that was easy. Uh, and then also, then that also opened up the conversation of what about those levels in Mario, you know, where like where the, the level tries to kill you, where the, the, level, camera, yeah, t- kills the you. camera keeps moving and yep. you got to keep up with it. You know, those levels were always super cool. Um, and so we, we had a brief conversation about that. And then I realized, well, we've got this path system where you can put items on paths.
1: Why can't you put a camera What if we
0: just that? made a specialized mm-hmm. path that you can only have one of uh, in your whole level? And once you put that path in there, now all of a sudden the camera is locked onto that path. And if the character goes outside of the view, they die. So now you can set up and, – and because you can put –
2: paths on switches, you can even hook the camera movement to events that happen in the level. Mm. So you could, so you could work your way normally up to a point and then switch the camera onto this thing. Yeah. And now you got to raise the camera for a little bit, pop off of it and do normal level stuff. Yeah. Like cool. Yeah.
0: So, and you can, and, and of course you can change. You can use
1: like enemy gates and stuff, you mm-hmm. know, so you can basically stop it when you get to some point and then you have to kill some number of enemies before the camera turns back on again and keeps on traveling. Right. Or,
0: so there's so all, there's right. all kinds of cool stuff you can do with it now. Um, and again, that was like an hour. So, like every now and then, we hit these just random ideas of, like, oh, this would be a cool feature. And then it turns out the game is already set mm-hmm. up to handle it. Well, I think and so. then
1: sometimes you have an idea that seems even simpler than any of those. And it takes weeks. And it's, gonna, and it's, <laughs> it's basically impossible. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, so, that's that's some cool stuff that's happening with Levelhead. Uh, and then, otherwise, in the studio, we have started using Trello. Mm-hmm. So, I think, I think last week, did we talk about last week about project management? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we started using it last week, and after digging around, looking at things like Kanban, um, we looked at Trello, we looked at Asana, a whole bunch of different things. And uh, Trello is free, so we're like, "Yes, that's you What's know that's plus plus one thousand points on that one." Yep. Um, but it, basically, the way it works is kind of however you want to. You have these kind of like lists and stacks of cards, and then you can assign people to cards, and you can filter your view so that you only see the stuff that is assigned mm. to you. Um, But we kind of realized that we had this general problem with our processes where things sort of happen randomly. Mm -hmm. Like whenever we needed to communicate information about something to each other, it might happen verbally, it might happen over email, it might happen over Discord. And if you don't sort of – so that kind of puts the burden onto the recipient of the information to to then put it into their systems. Mm -hmm. And so if they don't drop everything uh, when the information is delivered and handle the info – and get it put into their systems, then it gets lost, mm-hmm. and then they have to bother the sender of the information again to get the information again. Um, especially with things like Discord, where if you send it in a conversation, and then it, you've got a thousand a different stream. channels, and it's a stream, and it gets buried and stuff like that. So, um, it's been super useful uh, so far, and so we're gonna we're gonna keep going with it. Yeah,
2: I'm excited. I gotta. I mean, I'll have some work to do today to kind of migrate get all my stuff. Up. In there, mm-hmm. yeah, which would be fun. Yeah, but it's yeah, it's it's one of those things where there tends to be a little bit of sort of uh, individual personnel burden in order to sort of take up one of these collaborative group tools, right? Yeah, which in a bigger group setting always makes obvious sense because usually because
1: the overhead is already so high.
2: Exactly. Anyway. Yeah. In a smaller group setting, it's one of those things where I think you know we've always had to feel it out, and I think now that we have uh, Levelhead in particular being actually like a very big project that has all these moving parts with the web stuff, with all the new art stuff we're doing, and the new programming things. And then with Sure doing the you know, the switch port for Crashlands and, and working on other stuff, there's just so much happening, actually. And I think that was the other thing I saw, because I, I saw you guys switch to that project management tool. And then you're talking about it, in like multiple days afterward, being like, oh, this is so nice. I actually know it's happening. <laughs> um, and then I even, because I would gotten a bug report through the press inquiries thing,
1: mm. uh,
2: which I had to, I just sent to, because it was before, I, I don't have my trailer account set up. So I just sent an email to Sure we're like, here's the thing, you know. And instead of being able to just me put it into just make a card, a card dump the, dump the text into the card and assign sure. And then whenever right. he can get to it, so I was like, this would be nice. Will be okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Well, and I think yeah. having everything centralized, cause it's also the case that, you know, one of the things that I found myself doing was anytime I saw something in the game where I was like, oh yeah, we're missing that art asset or whatever. Then I would, I would take a screen cap uh, of that, you know, I'd take a little snip of that area and you can attach it to the Trello card. And mm-hmm. then, so now instead of having to tell you like how to get to the thing, you just Right.
2: Look at it. And you're like, oh, I see it. It's also right. nice because usually what I do to make a mock-up or to start working on things is I actually get a screenshot of what it currently, what the current setup of the game is. So if those are already there. Yeah. Or in,
0: or if they're missing, then you just add a comment to the card. You're like, need screenshot. Mm-hmm. And then. And now it's. That's problem. It'll yeah. ping me and then I'll put one on there. Right. You know? Yeah.
1: Well, I think the, the struggle I've always had with any kind of a system mm-hmm. is that they're almost always opinionated. Yes. Right. And that there's like, an like how you should be doing it. Yeah. Your they're, work. they're designed around some idea of how it's supposed to be used. Uh, and every time I've used an opinionated system, it eventually became a problem because there were situations that didn't fit.
2: Yeah. Asana, I think, is more like that. Cause so I've yeah. used that before and like we've tried to use it before. Yep. And
1: Even it, Todoist.
2: Todoist, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they, everything's a checklist. Yeah. There, everything's right? a checklist.
1: It's a, it's a very strong opinion. Uh huh. Uh, and so, so <laughs> having something where, that's, f- that's flexible enough it, that has like enough features that it sort of doesn't have any opinions anymore, but not so many features that you, you can just do literally know. anything yes. because there's, there's a really like really difficult fine line to walk with anything. Um, but definitely with productivity tools and software, I'm just trying to find that sweet
2: spot. It's I, I, one of the books I read on, on the trip is this, uh, this old book called composition. So it's supposed to be, this is one of the best art books that, that exists apparently about sort of how to draw, how to think about drawing, and sort of thing. And the the guy who wrote it has this very interesting concept of what he calls dither. And so the basic idea is that if you make a mechanical engine, like a car engine, and you have a 100% fit between the pistons and whatever the pistons go into, I don't know what it's called, but that the piston sort of uh, case. The piston tube. The piston tube. Yep. If you have 100% fit, in other words, it's like perfect. The engine doesn't work. OK, so there needs to be airflow or there needs something to be or some, some give actually to that space of there need to be able to sort of rattle a little bit in order for the engine to function. But of course, if you do it too much, then, then it flops around then and the engine is just like rickety as fuck. Yeah. And, it <laughs> loses power. and so there's this certain amount. And in the book, he's talking about it as the difference between like when you see someone render something with 100 percent realism, like an academic drawing. Right. There's no liveliness to it. It's just exactly what. It is. Yeah. And they talk about this in animation all and the time. And it can be technically
1: impressive, but at the same time, kind of disappointing.
2: Kind of like you're like, I don't give a shit. Right? <laughs> it's a great eyeball, but <laughs> I
1: could just look outside. And- yes. right. yeah, it's yeah, kind of like, I, I'm. Every time I see one of those like colored pencil drawings where they'll, they'll like put a wine bottle next to the drawing and they're like, which one is the real one? And you can't tell. You know? Yeah. It's like, I'm always so technically impressed. Exactly. Like, yes. Holy fuck. But I don't want to put that on my wall. Yeah.
2: It's technically impressive, but who cares? Because right, you yeah. could just
1: take a picture of a wine
2: exactly. bottle. Put that it's, wall, it's it's exactly. Weird. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> his, whole, his whole point is that like you, you definitely need that sort of academic approach. You need to be able to say render something, but that is not equivalent. Like the the good part about the art comes from that dither is the idea. And so it sounds like actually in productivity software, this, this is the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, if you have no give at all, where yeah. this thing, this thing like has a very particular way of doing stuff and you can't bend it, then you actually lose productivity, right? It doesn't quite work. And then if you have the other side where like in Workflowy, it's essentially just chaos. Like there, there are no checklists. It's just bullets. Well, and because everything is,
0: you can't, you can't be notified of stuff in Workflowy. Um, you can't attach dates to things mm-hmm. and- and so you have to kind of come up with your own structure. And because things are nested, they just kind of, sometimes they just get lost. Yeah, Like they just land somewhere and then they're just there now. Mm-hmm. And if nobody remembers to look there, mm-hmm. it's just gone. It's yeah. just gone forever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's so in a 10 deep list nested into oblivion. Yeah. I so. wonder
2: if that, and we've talked about this with our games too, before we're like, you know, you make the prototype and then there's this long phase where we're just sort of almost just playing catch up with all the currently existing products. And even with Levelhead, we've talked about this with, with its relationship to super Mario maker and how up until maybe like a month or two ago, we were just sort of getting up to a point where we were at that same level of features and that sort of thing. Then we get to differentiate. Yeah. Yeah. Now we get to add this sort of weird stuff that adds some extra fun wobble to the whole system. So I do wonder, yeah, I, I came across that concept in that book and I was like, this is just a good, it's just a really good idea. This idea that all of the art, all of the sort of power from these things exists when you have enough, enough features to have power, but enough looseness to let that sort of play, you know, let that yeah. play happen. So yeah, is that, is that you need a generic system that can,
0: they can do whatever you need mm-hmm. and then whatever that might be. but Not yeah. too much, yeah, but I, yeah. it <laughs> might, the thing
1: is that it won't be stellar at any super specific thing, you know? Yeah. But it'll be good enough at a whole bunch of specific. Well, things. For,
0: for me, I think the, the thing that, that really sells Trello is that it's the idea of, of constant, like realizing that your work is actually made up of lots of small pieces. Yeah. And that if you concentrate all the information about any piece into one centralized little location, which is like a card, um, including like all the conversations that have happened around that thing, file attachments about it, questions about it, uh, checklists about the progress, of, you know, like all that stuff. A description of the problem. Mm-hmm. You can even schedule dates on it. So if you need like to have mm-hmm. a meeting about it or something, you, know, you can do that. And then you can have responsible parties. You know, like if you if you take all those pieces together – and like all those are just attached to any one thing. So we even have, you know, we have our quarterly meeting coming up today, and so there's a Trello card for that. We're all assigned to it, and then there's a checklist of all the things that we need to talk mm-hmm. about. Um, and it's, it works for a meeting planning tool, right. you know, as well as handling art assets and stuff like that. So I'm excited about it. That's I'm pretty cool. pumped. Uh, I'm just li- I'm just high, I'm high on that Trello mm-hmm. life right mm-hmm. now. Um, then otherwise, uh, the last kind of bit of studio. St- studio news to talk about four questions is that I streamed game development this past weekend. Yeah. Which, uh, the impetus was I've been doing, I've been doing a lot more poking around with sort of just like trying to get my hobbyist game dev legs back. Mm. Uh, because I feel like only working on one project all the time, it kind of too narrowly focuses your view of what is good and like what tools you need. And, and, um, and it also prevents you from being exposed to potentially weird ideas because you just get too close to, to the problems you're dealing with. So by working on side projects, some new context, yeah you, you get you just have new problems to solve and especially early in development when you like the, a lot of the problems you solve are a lot of the problems of early dev, which uh, re- requires a lot of tools development mm-hmm. because you tend to be solved like early in a game's life cycle, you tend to be solving a lot of the same problems as you would in just about any All other game, right? How do you save? How do you learn? How do you handle this manually? Yeah. And so every now and then you come across something you're like, oh, I've been doing this thing manually a lot. Maybe I should come up with a system for that. Um, and so so I've, I've been working on that stuff. And I thought, you know, rather than just do it alone, it would be kind of cool if I just hmm. streamed it and then just kind of posted that into the uh, community Discord. And so... I did that on Saturday morning. I streamed from 8 a.m. to noon. I had a, just like, you know, seven to nine people mm-hmm. in there uh, just watching and asking questions and chatting about stuff. But it was fucking awesome. I felt I felt like Bob Ross in the sense <laughs> that because I was like, I'm just, I'm just making this game we're for fun. Gonna, just going to put some happy little variables in here. <laughs> yeah. No variables are wrong. Um, yeah. Because I think there's an important thing that you have to understand about streaming is that, you know, there are people watching. And you want to keep things moving mm-hmm. to, so that it's not just like super dumb and boring. And so uh, I, I I wasn't working on my game with a specific plan in mind, but I, I tried to make it a point to sort of bias toward doing things that would have pretty quick feedback and that I could sort of show the results of in, in pretty short order. And I've made just a ton of progress on this little game project because I had to just keep doing stuff that like whatever popped into my mind, that would be a cool thing to do. I would just do that thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the, you know, we talked about like that whole bias toward action concept. And interestingly, you know, streaming just kind of pushes you into that mindset absolutely. because you can't just sit there and be like, I'm going to think about this for half an hour. No, like you got to just start doing stuff because people are watching. Well, it's also
2: interesting though, because I think it does, it does make it so that it precludes some of the, some of the realities of the work though. Right. Because a lot of game dev is like you guys spend a lot of time just sort of leaning back we just leaving with a notepad. There's a lot like, of
1: uh, kind of frowning and consternation. Yeah,
2: and yeah. so there's an interesting, interesting thing where there's there's always this uh, this difference between what what generally you see as the work, the reality of the work versus what it actually is. Um, and so I do wonder, like to what extent, you know, because it's really cool, like bang out a bunch of the interesting stuff fast. Yeah. but of course, at some point. Some point to, I'm going to need to just take four hours and develop some elaborate system yeah. without interruption. or just right? refactor everything, right? Yeah. And and I think the question is, will you stream that? Because it's one of those things where like it might not be. Necessarily- I might. Yeah, <laughs> I think, I think you should because it's yeah, one just those
1: to, just to show the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. So I
2: well, I think I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to
1: try you need to also s- show
0: some self doubt
1: while you're doing it too. Yeah. Like,
0: Am I might. kind of like that scene in The Flash when he's like, "I don't know. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> I don't want to." <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'll it's do totally that. True, yeah. yeah,
0: so I think uh, I'm gonna probably I'm gonna start trying to stream on Saturday mornings cool. Central Time. Uh,
1: that's it. Uh, what is that? It Twitch TV slash probably. BScotch. Slash Yeah.
0: So this upcoming Saturday, I'll definitely be doing it from 8 a.m. to noon. Cool. Um, and then next that's
1: CST C D T.
0: One of those, whichever one. CS slash DT. Uh, whichever one Missouri's in, mm-hmm. that's where we are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, it's yeah, really
1: so St. Louis, just in case there's some like weirdo city that doesn't follow the rules or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those do exist.
0: And then the the inspiration for the game that I'm that I'm working on for streaming is basically Goop Legacy in space. Where I was like, it's called Space Bump, mm. and you just a little dumb spaceship that's kind of hard to control. You bump into their there's spaceships. tons of shit everywhere. There's asteroids. There's like weird like balls of gum. There's like just stuff <laughs> well, in yeah. space. There's a lot of gum in and, space. Uh, and the idea will be – because, like, there's tons of space games out there, and they're all just unbelievably complicated. Mm-hmm. So, like, what if I take sort of the complexity of a space game in terms of, like, there's lots of different stuff going on, but boil it down to the simple interaction of you've got lots of stats. And you bump And then into you stuff. bump into stuff, and then you decide what to do. Mm-hmm. So I want to have it where, like – Maybe you bump into a, a ship, and then you've got a couple options. You know, maybe like maybe you want to hail them and try to talk to them. But then, you, of course, you have communication skills as your stats. Mm-hmm. And so then, two radar dishes come up, and they start slapping each other. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then, like, oh, maybe you want to maybe it's like a merchant and you want to trade with them. But of course, you want two bags of money come up. Mm-hmm. But you want to neg- you want
1: to negotiate,
0: right? And like try to get better prices. So like your pilot comes up and their pilot comes up, mm-hmm. and then they start negotiating. Slapping. You know, I
2: had each other. this idea we, when we were walking around in the, in China about a new. Because I think in the one of the new uh, Cyberpunk seventy seven they have uh, a new dialogue system that they're showing, where like you can while you're interacting with an NPC, you can also look around the environment and then like talk about things that you see. Oh, like cool! That. Um, but of course, it it actually ends up being the same sort of thing where it'll end up playing more like one of those lookout games, where like before you start or when you start the conversation, you're just gonna like quickly you know yeah. look around to see if there's anything there. So. You can also imagine, you know, what that would look like in real
1: life. If you're trying to talk to somebody, they're just like looking just like, ah, like everywhere you look else. 360. Yes. Interrupting so that's kind you of like
2: talking to somebody who has an Apple watch. Yes. Yeah. Very annoying. But yeah, so I was, I was thinking, I was like, what if you had a patient system? Because I realized in all my conversations that I had over there that there was a level of patience because I don't I don't speak Chinese fluently by any stretch. So I could get like one or two things out. And then otherwise it was just a lot of pantomiming. And so I feel like I could just like see a patience meter on people. Right. right. It's like you initiate the conversation and patience just starts going down. Yeah. And, and you've got you to race
0: to get your point across. Exactly. Before it completely goes out. <laughs> before their out. patience runs out. And if
2: you're smiling and if you're like very good natured, then We're the patience burns more slowly. Yeah. That's yeah. your charisma stat. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, like the things you do, you could sometimes just like knock patience way down, you know. That sort yeah. of thing. Yeah, it might be a fun dialogue system that we could uh, put in. Something. Yeah,
0: but I mean, I like the idea of just like boiling almost every interaction down to sort of a bunch of different stats and then vaguely random outcomes mm-hmm. from those stats. Like, if you want to trade with somebody, maybe you can't actually choose the things you want to trade with them. You just have a bunch of items in your inventory. They have a bunch of items. Mm-hmm. And then you've got a bunch of stats. And then you go and you encounter them <laughs> and, and whoever, yeah, whoever's down. better at trading sort of comes out on
1: average with the better pile of
0: goods mm-hmm. at the end. Yeah.
1: Well, we've been having this conversation a bunch recently about uh, level head and rumpus and about this whole moderation problem that we have about how do we how do we make it so that people can choose what happens and choose how to represent themselves without letting them be assholes to mm-hmm. each other. Right. So the, it's the a fine the, line. The perennial problem.
0: Uh, because some people... Are assholes. Yes. And when they represent themselves to the world, then they, they make do a, it.
1: They make other people's lives worse. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
1: so, and so, you know, we, they we choose we, a name for their avatar that's choose horrible. Choose a their avatar, Something. choose a name for their level. Yeah. Uh, and last week, I think it was sure brought up the idea of what if we just had like almost like an emoji set, but basically our own sort of set of things that convey some idea, but they're ideas that we control. Uh, and it's like, hi- of people, so people are using like
0: hieroglyphics basically. Basically, so, yeah because so the fact <laughs> is
1: like a level name doesn't really convey much information anyway. Mm-hmm. So, and I was thinking of, so we're having this conversation. I was thinking of when I played uh super Mario maker and I would go to the level options and like almost everything I saw was in Japanese or, mm-hmm. or in other languages, which I couldn't read anyway. So it might as well have been hieroglyphics, right. uh, which of course would be true for, for presumably people from other countries who don't speak English, right. looking at my levels, right? So and if so, everybody has to learn some new set If there's of- some like third party thing that just conveys ideas, mm-hmm. then we solve a whole, like just a stupid number of problems at once, where, but we take something away. So the same idea is like with this bumping game, where you take away all these complex interaction mechanics that are su- super difficult and costly to implement uh, and also hard to understand, but could be very cool and interesting. Uh, and the same deal here, like we take away a person's ability just to say exactly what they want. Yeah. But we solve all these other problems at the same time, so they have this question of like.
2: I think that's that's only true yeah, for a little it. while because the reality is every game I've played where they like reduce everything down to emojis, the the culture of the game eventually decides what the emojis mean. Yeah, yeah, that's right. True. So at some point, I was playing Do List.
0: But but importantly, now that means different different countries can talk to each other.
2: Through the yeah. emoji, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. but the yeah. thing is, like, I think that's the thing to understand is, it's not mean, at just, some point, an eggplant becomes a dick. Exactly, It mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. always becomes a dick. So yeah. you gotta, you gotta just kind of. Which, but, this, no, but here's the thing: though, is it, like, but, but just, if you're not,
0: if you're not in on that culture, you wouldn't know that. It's yeah. like I didn't know that eggplant meant dick. It is also, until like
1: a year after that happened.
0: It is also just
2: very amusing. Yeah,
1: like that, that's, that's, yeah that's exactly it. exactly it. Is like if somebody, because if somebody you know names their level head level with a sequence of characters that collectively mean something. Negative, because people will kind of decided that it does. I would still much prefer that to just the thing being written in plain English. Yeah, because you also yeah. have to think about the fact that, like, we have a if we want to get the game out to
0: other cultures that speak other languages, and we allow them to name their levels, then we need a, a team of moderators slash translators to convert the leveled names mm-hmm. into things that we mm-hmm. can read. But if we just can we
1: not? What if we just didn't? Sounds like, like we can not? we not? Yeah. But, anyway, but so yeah, we've we've had a lot of fun, just like especially the past couple of weeks, just kind of trying to like really drill down and just ask what what can we just really get away with? Here? Can we just not? You know? Yeah. Because so we're feels gonna maybe like, not. Well, I don't yeah. know. We'll, we'll talk about it today during yeah, knows, our giant meeting. Night. Yeah. Yeah. But was yeah. I think it's just important because you always you always feel like you have to do things a certain way because like it feels like you would lose so much by in a space game taking away flying the spaceship or having interactive combat or whatever, but you know, do, do you know, you know, well, I mean, it just, it just becomes a different thing. Exactly. Well, and you so also
2: have to
0: understand like, you know, there's that God of the gaps, you mm-hmm. know, uh, which is the idea that people's mind, people's minds fill in stories wherever you put gaps. Mm-hmm. So, so like if, if for the, the, tr- the trading aspect of the game is you go up there, they go up there and then literally all of your cargo shows up in a pile behind your pilot. And like their cargo shows up in a pile and then they start slapping each other, and then different pieces of cargo yeah. just start flying oh, yeah. back it's and forth. Be awesome, people will get yeah. what's happening. Then people are like, "Yeah, they're trading. Yeah, <laughs> like they're having a very deep." discussion uh-huh. about the prices of these well, items. Because
1: yeah, all you have to do is change the sound effect. So like now when they're slapping each other, you just make kind of the sound of like mumbled
2: conversation. And then there. like occasional cash register ka Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: And then you just like every now and then somebody will get
0: like a critical negotiation. Mm, and because the, yeah. the, the thing is like every item has a value assigned to it. Right. And so, so if I've got an item that's worth like a thousand space dollars and you've got like 50 items that are each worth 20, you know, then Presumably, my guy should be able to, like, throw the 1,000 item at you, and then your guy throws the, the, the 50 to 20, 50 items mm-hmm. back, right? But if I get a crit, because, like, I throw my 1,000 at you, and then your guy throws, like, an extra $200 worth of stuff at me, mm-hmm.
1: you know, that I'm coming out on top. That's right? right? <laughs> so, yeah, but then it's but it's cool, though, because now you've taken what would otherwise be a whole bunch of completely disparate mechanics that all have to be separately conceived of and coded yeah, you need up an interface and tested for like, and balanced yeah. Need new interfaces. Now you just have one interface, one balance, mm-hmm. one mechanic, but you get to dress it up. So that it just feels like different things are happening. Yeah. Right. So like if I want to mine an asteroid, you know,
0: I, I bang into an asteroid, like maybe my ship normally can do that. Right. It's like, this is a thing all ships can do, but not very well. So then like the asteroid shows up, my ship shows up, they slap against each other. <laughs> right. Rocks pieces come rocks out, fall
2: off. People, pieces of rocks come out. Those or chip one. off and reveal something. Yeah, a test, yeah like a geo. But
0: yeah. then, like, if I if I attach a module to my ship, you know, then all of a sudden, now the next time I bang into an asteroid, now my ship is slapping it, and there is like lasers shooting uh-huh. everywhere too. And like, then sometimes yeah. I get like a diamond out of it, you know. Uh, so I mean, you like you just take this, I don't know. Like I was look, I was looking at Goop Legacy, and I was like, this is just good. Like just uh-huh. the idea of just slapping things together and then using stats to tell the story, it works great. Well, essentially,
2: what you are doing is you have you have like really robust systems on the left. And you have one single throughput mechanism, which is slapping yeah. and then <laughs> every other external output on the other side, right? Yeah. So it's just a beautiful sort of one of those diagrams, what's it called a Python, where it's super fat on one end, skinny, and it's super fat again. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah. Nice.
2: And then you can add all kinds of weird
0: stuff to the game because it's so easy to add stuff, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, yeah. So, so I'll be I'll be streaming that uh, this Saturday morning, 8 a.m. to noon, cool. uh, Central Time. Uh, Let's get on to some questions. At twitch.tv slash bscotch. At twitch.tv slash bscotch. Uh, These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. So if you'd like to get your questions on a future episode, get over there, put your questions in the text box. First question comes from Upscatningsman. (laughs) Hola! It was really interesting to hear how you all worked together at the beginning of this year's Shenana Jam to brainstorm a starting point for the game that eventually became Goop Legacy. But... I think a lot of us would like to hear how the rest of your process was like because the game seemingly turned out nothing like the game you talked about in the Kickoff podcast <laughs> Hugs and Kisses.
2: Oh, that is true. Well, the Kickoff podcast was a different thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. that was just a demo <laughs> of kind of how the process goes. You took a video, didn't you, of the brainstorming session? There is a video. I did. Yeah. We should we should put that somewhere. We did a, we do have a video. So, yeah, but like yeah, a- it was it was a totally separate Thing I t- and also I definitely understand how that would have been confusing. Yeah. So we'll need to make that more <laughs> clear going forward. Uh, our next question comes from CDC Molly. So thank you for your service in preventing Centers diseases. Yep, Disease um, mm-hmm. with you know we're all in your debt. CDC Molly says, "Hey, b Bros. I absolutely love everything you guys have done slash are doing. Dev diaries, game dev podcast, game jams, totally awesome." Question. I've been toying with game dev for years now, but I'm finally getting in there and really learning and doing. I'm looking for some experience advice regarding the business aspect of creating a studio. I've never started a business before and I have no idea where to begin or if it's even necessary, especially if my games actually lead to bigger things for my career. Thanks.
2: Yeah. I think the first question is just, what do you do with them? Because yeah. if you want to make, if you want to pull in any cash from them, then you need some form of a uh, legal entity. Yeah, yes. You can't
0: you you can publish games under your own name, but I think anytime you're engaging in commercial activity, you should do so under a under a legal company.
1: Yeah. We're not uh, lawyers. This is not legal advice, but our legal advice would be if we were lawyers, <laughs> what we were talking about, which may or may not actually be true. Well, there, there is to a get a legal entity between you and any other. Thing yeah. And I
0: mean, that's just, that's just a, that's just a fact of the law, yeah. which is that, uh, having, having a business that you are operating under, it does in all likelihood, like, there's no guarantees in law, mm-hmm. right? There's, there's a thing called piercing the corporate veil, uh, in law, which is when people sort of make the case that you were not acting on behalf of the company and then instead it's you were acting you. personally. And then mm-hmm. if you broke the law, then they they pierce through the, the corporate and they stab screen, you, and mm-hmm. they poke you, and then you go to jail. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, you got to think, you don't really know what kinds of, of nonsense you might get into, for example. Uh, you start making a game and some large company says, hey, this is all like my game. Boom. Sued for trademark infringement. Mm-hmm. Um, do, you wanna, do, you wanna do you want to do you want to be to sued do you want to be sued, sued or do you want your company who has no money mm-hmm. uh, right. to be sued? Right. Mm-hmm. Because if, if you personally get sued now, you and everything you own, all of your assets are on the line and
1: can right. be taken from you. So right?
2: what we did to start the studio, we just had an LLC, which I think Seth set up on LegalZoom.
1: Yeah, it's like yeah, hundred like fifty
2: bucks, hundred fifty bucks or so something. We like. all
1: put in five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah,
0: the, yeah you do the company. Yeah, you'll need a bank account, uh, and then then and
1: like a credit card. Once for you have company. an LLC, then then you can get a, a bank account or credit card for yeah. the company. Yeah. You yeah. could put you put some of your own money into it, and then you're, you need to be very careful. And again, you try to talk to some like actual legal people. But mm-hmm. right? but then you just try to as very carefully as possible things that are for the business you buy with the business's yeah, bank you, j- you just you
0: keep you keep a, a firm separation between self and company, um, so you, you don't use your business card to like buy yourself a new bicycle mm-hmm. or something unless, unless you're a BMX work. biker mm-hmm. company. Well, work
1: if you're using it to ride to work, it can now be a company expense. But the company does own that now. So if the, if your company does get sued, your bike's gone. <laughs> your your bike is one of the assets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's up.
2: Yeah. yeah. So we that was that's sort of like the easiest way to do it. And I think I mean that probably only takes. Once you talk to someone about it, that's like maybe an hour conversation. Go to your you know, go to your bank and talk to someone, and then maybe have a ten minute conversation with someone on Legal Zoom, even. Um, yeah, because
1: Legal Zoom you can have actual lawyers get involved with it yeah. too. So. Yep.
0: And then the the final piece of that is that once you have a separate company, then you need to file your taxes separately. Yes. So your company will have to have its own
1: accountant, like its own tax filings. And which you is- can do that yourself. Or we can have an accountant who can then just handle all that shit.
0: Yeah. Um, and so in, in our case, I think we didn't we didn't actually make any money the first year that Butterscotch was founded because we didn't get anything really published. Mm-hmm. We we formed the studio in June of of twenty twelve. Yeah, we didn't start full-time work until November, I think. We started full-time work in November and our first legit launch was Towel Fight, which just lost a bunch of money.
2: Yeah, and that was in February
0: of last yeah. fall. I mean. Um and so but, but it was still the case that, you know, we found an accountant who, like, we explained our situation. And we're like, yeah, well, you know, we don't have much money. We do have a few hundred in the bank, basically. Um, and I think early on it was just a couple hundred dollars to get our taxes done, mm-hmm. which for us was a peace of mind thing. We're just like, well, yeah, we I, wanted to so we I think of this know.
1: purely at this level. So when you don't know if you're going to make any money, but you do if you do intend to commercially release your games, then to me a business is not – at the beginning, it's not a mechanism to make money. It's actually an insurance scheme. Mm-hmm. Right. Which yes. is – it's a mechanism to protect you from from various kinds of legal and uh, like tax liabilities. And, and then once you do happen.
0: have money, then it's a way to protect that exactly. money um, and to make sure that you are sort of on the up and up under the law. Yep. So. Yeah, I- anytime somebody is publishing games under their own personal name, it just makes me very nervous. Mm-hmm. Just for them, yeah. you know. Unless it says, "comma
2: LLC" afterward,
0: yeah. In which case might? Because you can name an LLC after yourself. Yeah, yeah, you can do that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a good thing to do. Things like LegalZoom are fine. You know, this need- is of
1: course assuming you're in the U.S. Because I don't know jack all about how anything works anywhere else. It's much
2: easier to make businesses in the U.S. apparently. Yeah, from what I've heard. Yeah. Um, which we, is weird because it still is kind of pain in the ass. It's a pain. So it's a pain know. in
1: the ass. But if you go somewhere else, it's way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, which so, yeah, it's will say that there are costs involved. There's time involved. It's it's all complicated. It's always best to rope in experts to to figure this mm-hmm. stuff out. And so there's not that many steps though. I think it's the they're, yeah yeah. It's not as hard as you think. It's not as costly as you think. Or it doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely can be if you rope in certain kinds of people um, into the process. But uh, but yeah, it's, it's one of the things. If, if you can afford, if you can afford to do it, then just like insurance you should have it mm-hmm. um, because there's a lot of protection that you get.
2: Yeah. But if on the other hand, like you mentioned in the question, if this is just for sort of career advancement where you just want to be able to show a portfolio, for example, mm-hmm. then who gives a shit? I mean, you put your stuff on it. Put it up put on itch, on itch yeah. yeah. Put up on it. Uh, you know, put it up for free. Like if your whole goal is to be able to say like, Hey, I made this game and it has like 10,000 downloads on itch or something like that. You know, that's a whole different thing that can totally be just a hobbyist thing. You don't have to worry about money and all that stuff. But if you do want to pull any cash in, I just highly recommend getting an LLC. Yes. It would take probably a day or two of, of sort of, you know, toiling and figuring all that crap out. Yeah, but it's, it's worth it. It's a good, it's a good peace of mind. Mm-hmm. So, uh,
0: all right. Next question comes from anonymous. You always mention the dads. Can you
1: elaborate? Mm, I this question <laughs> was funny because I was like, this is actually very straightforward. Yeah. yeah. So our dad's gay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. then he got married. So now we got two of now them. Now we got two of them.
2: Mm-hmm. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah we have a lot of parents, parents nowadays. As it turns yeah, out,
1: yeah,
0: it's a good it's a good uh, position
2: to be in. Yeah, I feel like yeah. more parents you get, it's like more people you got just to keep you on an even keel. Yeah, that's right. More, more coaches, you got <laughs> more in your the life. better. That's uh, right. Yeah, so our parents got divorced when we were eight. I was eight. You well, we yeah, were we were of different ages. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As yes, is always the case. Uh You're twelve, right? Around there must have been something Around like, like that. that. Um Yeah, and that, I mean that's, good. that's an interesting story in and of itself, but uh, I think one of my my favorite tidbits from it was, of course, this is like '96. And so keep in mind that, you know, uh, like it still was very bad, considered very bad, basically everywhere in the States to be gay. Right. So aside from like some of the big metropolitan centers like New York, whatever else. Well, even even there, well, even there, it was a bad it
0: was a rough time. Yeah. And things so, were things were improving. But yeah.
2: Yeah. So there wasn't even like the, the sort of general. It's a weird one, but there is sort of a, a cultural thing about like having good fashion sense or good taste or good like hygiene and stuff weren't necessarily attributed in a broader sense to like a culture. And so uh, it was just like kind of a bad thing. And we're in Iowa, we're in the middle of, you know, Grinnell. So very, again, we're in a village and uh, luckily there's a college in the town. So it's a, it's a slightly more liberal leading village, but uh, yeah, you know, our, our dad apparently uh, got divorced and and then our dad sat us down, I think like, six, I think about six months afterward. Cause we didn't quite know what was going on cause they always got along. Great. And, uh, and he just, you know, I think we are having spaghetti at his new apartment. Yep. Yeah. And we're all just sitting there, and he was apparently very nervous because uh, he was going to tell us. he's going to come out to us. No idea. And so he's like, boys, uh, so the reason we got divorced was because I'm gay. And I remember all of us were just sitting there kind of eating our spaghetti. And Adam, I think Adam was the one who said something along the lines of, is that all? Is that it? <laughs> like, you have you been told us for six months. What the fuck, man? I thought it was something bad. Because yeah. uh, again, we're too young at that point to even know... We haven't been inculturated, right, at that point to this sort of this idea that it's bad. Um, and so I mean, I think I've definitely followed suit with whatever Adam's response was. Cause I don't I'm eight. I don't know anything. I got no opinions. <laughs> so <laughs> Adam's just sort of amused by this. I'm amused, and apparently this is a huge relief, as you might imagine, for our dad to find out that we don't have any opinions about anything. So <laughs> I think the, the next question was, Are you still gonna be around? And he was like, well, yeah. And then we we're like, well, right, Who well, cares? Yeah, it's we fine. don't give a shit. So And then as a bonus, we get extra dad. Yeah, we got a second dad, which yeah. is great. So uh, and he's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. So, yeah, it's been uh, a bit of a weird journey back in the day, but it's been, it's been great. It's been
0: awesome. Yeah. So there you go. That's some of the story.
2: That's some of the story.
0: Of the story.
2: Yeah, there's plenty
1: in there.
0: Uh, all right. Next question comes from I like eating pie, which. Don't we all? Yeah. Which,
1: you're not wrong,
0: <laughs> in Flop Rocket, as far as I can tell, the rocket seems to be approximately one meter wide. The pilot, who frequently explodes their way out of that vessel, is about one meter tall. All the other people around the launch pad are much smaller, maybe a third of a meter tall. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got a three-foot rocket piloted by a three-foot person uh-huh. I uh, mean, surrounded assuming, by one-foot people. But
1: you're assuming that all the things around the rocket are, are people. Yeah,
0: we'll get there. Okay. Does the M actually stand for a meter like I originally thought – that would make everyone really tiny. Mm-hmm. Is there official lore for this? <laughs> also, that potato is huge. <laughs> is there any official lore for that? That potato can also
1: fly. The potato flies and is wearing and, a and has fists. It has fists and a bandana. Well,
2: you're talking about where the potato came from. Oh yeah, yeah. All so right. if
1: you turn your if you turn your thrust all the way to 0, because actually most people don't even know this. Yeah. If you turn your thrust all the way to 0 and flop rocket, you, you become, become a a sentient potato. A <laughs>
2: sentient potato
0: with hands that has terrible Rocket just, terrible rocket skills, yeah. uh, and you get a special hidden achievement if you make it to space as a potato, so, which is very hard
2: to do. And people have done it. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. So where that came from is so we made a game for was that one of the Pixel Pop Festival? We made the it first th- one? for
0: the first Pixel Pop, and it was a talk about just how to how a game comes together. Mm-hmm. So we we jammed out this game called Hot Spuds, mm-hmm. and it was basically a Smash Bros style game where you knock each other off of a, an arena. And you play it as potatoes, and you throw bombs at each other, uh-huh. and then you're trying to get butter. Yeah, every now and then butter appears, and you got to like butter yourself. Yes, yeah, so you after- your
2: little hands would rub the butter, and then and, then and s- that's how you earn points. Yeah,
0: and if and if you get exploded while you're rubbing the butter, then you uh you you, you go fly. You go flying, and you get you lose your butter rubs. Yeah, makes So, sense. You, need to, all makes so sense. you need to yeah. knock people away from the butter long enough that you can go rub the butter. Yeah, And then when, once the butter gets fully rubbed, it disappears and then a yeah, moment passes a and then a new butter appears somewhere else on the level. Mm-hmm. It was fucking awesome, actually. I could
2: it's a database. <laughs> and also, it, it worked like a PowerPoint. So Seth would, I think you just hit the right arrow and it would layer of stuff that we added i sort yeah i sort of added a a bunch of
0: markers in the code uh where we could sort of peel back the layers Mm -hmm. of what was happening so if you wanted to just look at the game as black and white with like just a level and no characters um then you could do that and then if you want to just see like bounding boxes but see the characters with the bounding boxes then we did like Sprites on top, but mm-hmm. no animations. So it goes from
2: being a black void to being this fully polished. Yeah. So I think we broke
0: the... it into 16 steps or something. Yeah. Um, and so you get to see all the under, sort of like under the hood. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's there. Is that... there a
1: video of that that ever? Hey, there might be. You should probably look it Yeah. I don't,
2: I don't think I ever actually got to see it in action hilarious. And we actually had people came up and played it for like 30 minutes after like on, because we had controller support, I think. for it. Yeah. We had we just, up
0: to four players and people yeah, so just people came, came and just
2: fought each other. They own. just played hot spots. <laughs> it's just hilarious. Because um, we took like, we opened up for questions and then we just also allowed people to play, play the game. Other, yeah. So-, <laughs> so yeah. um, we yeah, have the potato came from that and we just had it. And then I think we were making Flop Rocket. And we this was, I think, I think it was just after we launched Flop Rocket, wasn't yeah. it? We just, I came back for a... Mm-hmm. A repass just like to ask I don't know. It was stuff. a while later and was, I didn't even know what the hell happened. But someone well, like,
0: no, it ha- I think what happened was I had, I had coded up the thrust and I accidentally coded it in such a way that you could actually reduce it to zero, to zero, like oh, below, yeah. below this baseline. Mm-hmm. And instead of fixing that bug, we just had the conversation like, what if just something really stupid happened when you took your thrust all the and way then down? And we were like, well, we have this potato. Yeah. We've got, got it. We've <laughs> got something stupid. We've got something dumb. <laughs> Oh, man, we should... Oh, we should have replaced... We should have put butter
2: in there instead of fuel pads. Mm, yeah. But you had to sit next to it and rub it for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: if difficult. we make
2: a remastered version, mm-hmm. you know, then we can... Yes. So but yeah that. so as far as lore goes I think there's also a question of depth right because your camera's looking at this thing yeah the potato might be really close to the camera exactly the people might be super far away yeah and the rocket might actually so like might be some weird is so one of those problems with 2ds you just can't really tell
1: who knows what's going on you know yeah, yeah. I think yeah. the idea is that it also could be that when when the rocket explodes and the you know pilot comes flying out um, that the pilot first flies towards the camera really fast mm-hmm. so that but so fast you can't, you don't see them grow. They're just like suddenly they're really big. You know? Yeah. Uh, and then because there's like another 2D sort of plane up there in the way, they kind of get stuck on it. Mm-hmm. And then they appear to be that size. It's like a bird hitting a piece of glass. Exactly. Yeah. And I then know. as
0: far as the the super tiny people around the launch pad, um, which are maybe a third of a meter. Mm-hmm. Man, those, those are, really those are actually, well, those are actually uh, like the little robots that you see in the spaceship in Crashlands. Mm-hmm. The problem is we just do not have enough pixels, mm-hmm. you know, to render them. I believe they're called Miller's. They're Coke millers because, because they mill about. They mill. Yeah. They mill about the launch pad, and then when you <laughs> when you fire the engine, they leave because uh-huh. they're like,
2: "Fuck this, I'm well, getting out here." This is actually one of those really interesting notes about adding just a few of these details to make a thing feel very much more alive, right? Because we didn't have to put those in there. They literally do not. They don't do anything. They just mill. But it took I think maybe four minutes to make. It's a circle with, like, a cone on the bottom of it as far as how the body works. Yeah.
0: Then just any time we spawn a launch pad or a fuel pad or whatever, we just also spawn some millers. Mm -hmm. And then whenever they're off screen, they just destroy
2: themselves. Uh And when the rocket comes by, they run away. That's it. And so it adds this sort of feeling of, like, oh, this is, like, a little weird space. Like a NASA. There must be somebody building these. Yeah. Yeah. It It
1: is true that then the giant potato and, like, the giant astronaut kind of Slightly throw confusing. that off a,
2: throw that out of whack a bit, but just realism has never been one of our strengths. Well, just, yeah. yeah so
1: remember
0: it. that it's, it's not a realistic scale model. It's, it's a, it's an explanation of what's happening. This goes back yeah. to the dithering idea, right?
2: You know, if it was a hundred percent realistic, yeah, it wouldn't be.
0: Yeah. I mean, if, fun. if you had, a, if you had a legit pilot come out of that thing, it'd be one pixel.
1: Yeah. And if and we had the, if we had to fly a potato, it would also be like, a it would be uh-huh. a solution. Yeah. 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 So all you would see is basically kind of the jet trail of this thing flying around. Maybe it's giant fists because it can still have giant yeah. fists. Now,
0: of course, when we launch a um, Flop Rocket, Sort of Kerbal Space Program style, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, that edition of the game, then things will be to scale. But in the meantime, no, actually, I
1: think they won't be. We'll just have two different kinds of people. We'll have the giants whose entire bodies are just encased in rockets. Yeah, it and is we'll very have, hard to launch them into space. Yes, and then we'll have, <laughs> uh, have people making this stuff, which are like the Kerbals, just like kind
2: of walking around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah. Maybe they pilot like a Jaeger that then gets into the rocket. Yeah. That's yeah. what I was wondering. Yeah. yeah. So it's just a huge mech inside of a rocket. Yeah. So this is because they weren't good enough at making mechs
1: yet. All they can do is just put fire on stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know
2: we've had people ask this question too about Flux because Flux is very pointy feet. Yes. And they're like, is she, and is she actually She's human? also
1: handless. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, yeah. she does have hands, but they're just sort of drawn on there. Yeah. They're, like a, they're just, <laughs> she has clenched fists. Yeah, ah, like right, a yeah. billboard sort of a situation. People are mm-hmm. like, is that, does she not have feet? And I'm like, well, no, it's just. It was much easier to make boots this way. (laughs) Yeah. What what we
0: discovered is, with that animation style, if you put feet on there, then it looks stupid
2: as hell. Yeah. It looks real weird. (laughs) Yeah. Like like when you're whipping your yeah
0: when you're whipping your legs forward and back like that, if you've got these like static feet on the bottom, Mm -hmm. uh, then it just totally kills the illusion. So we had to kind of turn our feet into pogo sticks, basically.
2: Yeah. We had this this huge conversation because we're like, okay, we want to add, we want to put armor on in this game that you can just start strapping on all this cool stuff. But if we do that, that means like the, the necessary complexity of the animations has to go down to almost zero. In fact, did go down to zero because if you have, say, two frames, even of just the arm as it's swinging and you have a glove now you need to put on there, now you have to draw that glove two perspectives. Two different times. At that point, you might as well go
0: 3D. I mean, you know what just, I mean? just get out of
2: <laughs> So that's part of the reason why the game has so much content is because Flux has pointy legs. Yeah. But so, in reality, does she have pointy legs? No. Or the, maybe she does. Well, she not, I mean, does. if you look, if you
0: look at the uh, Nuts comic, she she has regular feet. Feet. See, she's regular. You'll see she's got awesome ass boots mm-hmm.
2: yeah. on, which I kind of want those those boots. They're mm-hmm. super cool, pretty red. Oh, did you mention the the fat head, the fat headed slipper that arrived in the mail? I think we did. I don't. or think no, we talked sweet. about on Discord. Yeah, Quantum Anomaly made a
0: a little clay. Fat-headed slurper. Which is one of the fish that you fish out in Crashlands.
2: And mailed it to us. And it's fucking awesome. And And also happens to be exactly the right scale for another piece of fan work, fan sculpture we got. That Kevin sent Kevin888. I think he's
0: now Kevin11. Kevin11. He keeps keeps getting either either
2: larger or smaller. I don't know (laughs) what the (laughs) is. The fat-headed slurper is almost like perfectly sized as they are in relation in game to flux, which is hilarious. So now they're just sitting up on our mantle next to our dice awards. Yeah. So if
0: anybody want anybody out there wants to make more, you know, small crash lands objects out of clay, Mm -hmm. just send them our way and we will add them to the ensemble. We should probably put up a blog post or something that show showcases the goofy
1: stuff. The the goofy
0: stuff we've gotten. Yes. Yeah. We we did at some point have a fan art thing portal, something or other.
1: It was, I mean, it, we still do because the link still exists and that it just takes you to uh, Google, you know, Google form. Mm-hmm.
0: OK, so we got to We got to do that. All right. Nah. Uh, <laughs> 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 all right. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. We'd like to thank our producer, Fat Bard for making us sound good. And of course, for overhauling our new podcast room to be super cool. Actually, it's pretty hot in here. Yeah, it's getting warm. With some we're gonna need to fix. Go for
1: it. That That's AC. not that's not a fat bar problem. There's an AC behind Adam. Yeah, yes. we're, we're almost done. So I just yeah. slide. I think.
0: Um, also, thank you to our community moderators who keep our Discord and forums running. If you'd like to get more involved in the Butterscotch community, you can hop into our Discord server at discord.gg/bscotch and come say hello. If you'd like to adorn your body with Butterscotch merch, you can check out our shop over at shop.bscotch.net. Or if you'd like to send us something, we have a mailbox, which you can find the address for over at mailbox.bscotch.net. Finally, uh, if you'd like to donate or otherwise uh, buy us a cup of coffee or just kind of show your your support for the, the podcast in a financial way, mm-hmm. you can throw us money over at tips.bscotch.net. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye.